0: Welcome to the Grit to Greatness podcast. Thanks for tuning in and making your choice to win. This is the show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you tactical strategies to implement on your way to greatness. And now, here's your host, Chuck Farmer. Welcome to episode two. And thank you for making the choice to be great. And allowing us to be with you on your journey. Our very first guest in this Grit to Greatness podcast is with us today. It's my very dear
1: friend Joe Buzello. Welcome, Joe. Hey, Chuck. Thank you for having me. It's it, you know it's a, it's a it's always a great day when I could get on screen, see your beautiful face, <laughs> and have a conversation with you. So thanks thanks for allowing me to be a guest on this uh, podcast. This new podcast that's expanding and uh, drawing some uh, listeners very quickly.
0: I appreciate that. And also a quick question. It always makes me laugh. You know, when I see your name, I always say Buzello, but I think it actually is supposed to be Buzzello. Is that correct?
1: It's Buzzello. Yeah. (laughs) But my mother told me never to correct anyone. It's impolite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, the reason Joe is our very first guest ever on this podcast, because he is a very successful sales professional coach, mentor, author, speaker, podcaster. Um, Did I leave anything else out, Joe?
1: Uh, Let's see. Um, Executive chef, uh, accomplished artist, and past member of the PGA of America.
0: Oh, hey, I like that. Amazing. (laughs) That's great. He's got a lot of uh, great things, but uh, really appreciate him and his friendship and his wife. But uh, the main reason that Joe's with us today is because Joe has actually had to build his business from scratch twice. And it is a true grit to greatness story. So I'm going to turn it over to Joe. He's a great storyteller as well. And we'll let him start off and kind of start telling us the story of why he's had to build his business from scratch twice.
1: I, don't, I actually don't even know where to start. So I, <laughs> I will think it time in... 1982, I'd already been in the insurance industry for, I think, three and a half years at that point. I got a license when I was 18 years old. I didn't go to college. I barely graduated high school. I got a C- minus in American Lit and Comp, so I was the least likely guy to write four books, <laughs> and two more will be released this year. So six books with a C-, minus. so I was that great C- minus English student. But I started selling insurance and having some success, and I was at a life insurance agency in Sherman Oaks, California, when I met this gentleman. And this gentleman wound up becoming my uh, good friend, a mentor. In fact, he became my best friend. He was the best man at my um, my wedding. My, I had a marriage that failed Chuck. Um, it was uh, the most interesting two and a half years of my life. Um and he was my best man so this was a very important person in my life and he sponsored me into a network marketing business and mlm business and everything just took off from there my life took a different trajectory and within a couple of years i wasn't really selling insurance anymore I, I didn't need you i was making so much money from the mlm i didn't have to go out at nights and sit at kitchen tables and sell life insurance policies and so my life was on that kind of trajectory. Uh, I'd gotten married to uh, a beautiful Swedish girl uh, named Annika, and we were living south of the boulevard in the San Fernando Valley in Woodland Hills in a big five-bedroom house and driving luxury cars. I just bought uh, a brand-new uh, Jaguar, and I was uh, all, of, uh, all of 26 years old, and, uh, it, or uh, 25 years old at that time. And unbeknownst to me, he was building, behind the scenes, he was building an investment Ponzi scheme. And I wrote a book on it. It's, you know, it's debatable whether it was intentional or not, but certainly at the end, it was intentional. He was raising money knowing that he couldn't pay any of those investors back. It was a real estate uh, scheme, Ponzi scheme. And the short story is my family and I invested myself, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, invested about four hundred seventy thousand dollars with him and all that money was gone by the end of 1987 that money had vanished and from there and you could probably guess what happened in uh, criminal court and bankruptcy court but my good friend uh, went away for uh, four and a half years Um, a lot of friends that I, well, I shouldn't say friends, Chuck. (laughs) We we use that word lightly. A lot of acquaintances um, went away and I was sitting uh, and I remember the date and I write about this and actually I I wrote about it in the book that you co-authored with me that I will mention. I want to promote your new book, (laughs) but I write about it, I think in chapter six or seven seeds of faith. And so faith is very important to me. I know it's important to you. That's right. And it was October 15th, 1988. I remember the date so well because it was a date that Kirk Gibson hit that home run. Oh yeah. The Dodgers <laughs> game won a famous home run. Yep.
0: Vince uh, Vin uh, Scully's, Vin Scully's call.
1: Vince Scully's call. And Vince Scully, uh, interesting little parallel there. I'll get to that in a moment, but he hit that home run and uh, I was sitting uh, on my couch, my couch was the only piece of furniture I had in my house, so I had that couch and I had wow. the big screen t v and my home was in the early stages of foreclosure let 's say default uh, and I had declared bankruptcy i'd lost all my money, lost many of my you know so called friends. I still had you know my loving mother i'd lost my father from cancer, and my wife had left me a month earlier uh, she uh, She decided to take off because it wasn't that much fun anymore. And I I now understand that. I didn't understand it at the time. I now kind of get it. It's not something I would do, but uh, she left. And so I'm I'm really all alone in the world. I had lost, I had thought I had lost everything. And I guess that's the point of my story when you get to that low point. And what I did, the only thing I knew how to do at that time, uh, because I was so broken, uh, I, I didn't even have, Uh, the emotional strength to grieve uh, for my father who had passed away from cancer while this was going on. What I did is I grabbed the, all the alcohol in the house and I drank it. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but I drank, I I was a real wine connoisseur. So I had a box of wine, a box of wine and I drank that box. And then there was a handle of Jack Daniels involved and Also, what I was doing when I was drinking is I was going into my office, I was pulling every plaque, every sales award, every leadership award, and I was throwing them in the, uh, in the fireplace. And there was a dual purpose for that. One, I wanted to get, I wanted to burn down what remained of my life at that time. I wanted to get, I wanted to erase the past. Also, I, I didn't want to turn the heat on. It was cold outside and I couldn't afford <laughs> you wow. a utility bill. Wow. The dual purpose in having yeah. that big fire. But I actually uh, passed out from, went into an alcohol induced sleep. And I woke up in the morning and the fire alarms were going off. There was a haze, a blanket of smoke uh, in my home. And there were plumes of smoke coming up from the carpet where the embers had flown out. Half of my mantelpiece was burnt down, and uh, I just looked around. I, I got a broomstick, and I poked the, <laughs> poked the fire alarms until they stopped. I opened all the doors and windows, and I just sat there thinking, I think I just tried to commit suicide. <laughs> I didn't do a very good job of <laughs> it unwittingly, but I was really trying to burn my house down, and that was the absolute, still to this day, the lowest point of my life. Well, you know, you
0: know, that's amazing, Joe, you know, watching movies in the past and I can almost, as you're talking, I can almost see it in a movie format and that, you know, you're, you've lost almost everything. You're in a home that's a big, beautiful home and all that's left is a couch and a TV and you're burning your awards in the fireplace and and drinking yourself into a stupor and waking up and almost on fire and you know, just an amazing story, and then to know the end of the story, um, to see where you are. Tell us a little bit about your feelings at the time and your thoughts that were going through your head as you woke up and at this lowest point in your life.
1: Well, it, it was interesting. the The first feeling that came over me is that uh, I was all alone. But the strangest thing is, I looked at the mantle, and the mantle had a row of pictures on it. There were still wedding pictures uh, of me and my wife that I was separated from who would left me. And there were pictures of the guy who initiated the Ponzi scheme and his wife. And there were pictures of my mother and father and my sister. And the part of the mantelpiece that broke off and fell down and burned were the pictures of the people that h- had burned me in my life. <laughs> wow. Wow. that had abandoned me. And the pictures of my mom and dad and my aunt, who was like a second mother, and my sister, all those pictures remained. Wow. And so I took that as a small sign from God that uh, I wasn't alone. I started to take stock. My feeling was that I should probably feel sorry for myself. But then almost, I would say not almost, certainly through divine intervention, um, a little voice came inside my head and it said, You just need to get started. You need to make better choices. You need to get started again. You need to get st- started on your road to recovery. But you have to make it. Th- this is the voice I heard. On one side of my head, I, I heard, Get started again. But the other voice was, Make better choices. And so I haven't, I'm not as, um, to be brutally honest, I'm not as, um, in tune with God as I'd like to be, uh, but I believe He was talking to me that morning, and uh, I remember Vince Scully's call and uh, how much joy it gave me, and then how much pain that I had when the Dodger, when I turned the Dodger game off and realized I was all alone uh, in in my house and everything had fallen apart. But those those thoughts in my head. That God plan in my head, get started again and made better, make better choices. That helped me over the next 10 years. I certainly made better choices of uh, friends. Uh, I found a wonderful young lady to marry. <laughs> We've now been married for uh, 24 years. Um, you've met her and, and you have a, a great wife. Ruthie is awesome. Uh, Beth is, you know, right there with her. <laughs> Absolutely. And, great uh, I It was interesting. Almost uh, ten years later, to um, almost ten years later after that all occurred, I was in Vero Beach uh, uh, as a VIP in Dodger spring training, and we were in the restaurant and bar area. and Vince Scully walked in, and one of my heroes and idols. and I started talking to him, and uh, I was drinking a beer, and he had a whiskey, his trademark whiskey and uh we clink glasses and i told him a little bit about that story i said you know i was i was at the lowest point of my life when you made that call and he he seemed to understand he just smiled he said well i'm I'm glad i could bring some joy into your life at the lowest point of your life but i went on with that company that i represented at that spring training business event i went on to build a hundred million dollar business unit I went on to uh, re- semi-retire. I can't call it retiring I semi-retired. I've, I've written four books. Um, the first book uh, is The Cap Equation. going to go through these fast. Second book is A Work of Fiction. Drawing Circles, really not a fiction. <laughs> a Life in Sales. But this is the book I'm really proud of. You and I worked on this book together, Winning Sales Attitudes. And the subtitle is even more, to me, more significant. The Key Mindsets All Great Salespeople Adopt and Practice on Their Path to Wealth. And um, you did a great job in penning two chapters in this book. So I went on to have a very successful career and then another career writing books, speaking, training, and we recently launched an entrepreneurial platform called Growth 10. So, you know, I've never been happier. I'm doing the work I love. Uh, and it all started, I think, with a decision, those voices in my head, that <laughs> <Right. laughs> decision just to get started again, and what I did do that morning is I actually took a yellow pad, I'm big, I always have a yellow pad, I'm talking to you, and I have a yellow pad here, and my growth 10 pen, and I'm taking notes, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm taking notes, so I took, that morning, I took stock and inventory of what I still had, I realized I still had My sense of humor. I still had a great deal of talent. I didn't build a business uh, because I didn't have talent. I built it because I was hardworking, uh, I was energetic, I was focused, I had talent. So, what I did that morning, Chuck, is I just took inventory of not what I didn't have, but everything I did have, and I started to focus on that.
0: That's awesome. You know, a couple of points I'd like to make from listening to you, Joe. First of all, you know, it's amazing that, uh, you know, you mentioned that maybe you weren't as close to the Lord as you'd like to have been. And, and, uh, Exciting thing to everybody is that if you look at the story of Saul, you know, God came to him. Jesus came to Saul. He wasn't looking for Jesus at the time. He was actually against Jesus. He was bucking against the pricks of Jesus, and he was um, going against the Christians of the time. and, And Jesus had a plan and came to him. And you have to believe, but God is working in our lives, even when we're not necessarily looking for him to work. He's behind the scenes. And you tell the story of what happened with the mantle and you tell the story of some thoughts that came to your mind. You know, Jesus loves us so much that even when we're not necessarily in tune to him as much as we should, then he's still there and he's still got a plan for us. And then, of course, he's asking us to be more in tune with him, to spend more time with him in the word and in prayer and get closer to him as we grow. But I think that's an amazing part of your story is that he had a plan for you, even though you might not necessarily have seen it at the time.
1: I, I sure as heck uh, didn't see it, but I just knew that I had to start over again. And I pretty well, you know, my my mom said something. In fact, she she used to write me a lot of notes. My mom was a, a beautiful, God-fearing lady who lived till almost 93. And she had a lot of love for Jesus, the, the life of, of Jesus. And she lived her life uh, as you know, uh, as Jesus would have have had it. She was very selfless, but she was always writing notes. Even when I was a rotten kid, (laughs) she used to write notes and say that, you know, you're very talented, you could do anything you want, and if God is with you, no one could be against you. And and these are are the, the, the tapes I play in my head, and I still have that card. She wrote it on the back of one of my business cards, uh, for one of my first gigs, one of my first jobs Wow! and I have it sitting in a drawer right here in my desk. I have a special place for a little box with some very special notes from her. And so I had a great, you know, basic tenant and basic understanding of the life of Christ and what he represented. And how you know the triumvirate could work in your life, and I really believe the Holy Spirit that day came down and gave me something, and I, I'm sure that God was up there and Jesus looking down, just praying that my receptors were open and my receptors were open enough that day to get that message. And from that point forward, I've just I, I you know I, I did stop trusting people. Um, uh, nothing ever came back from the you know the uh, bankruptcy courts and the and the uh, distribution, you know, recovering the monies, and everyone got pennies on a dollar, and some people were very bitter about that. I was never bitter. I was angry for a while, but bitterness never set in because I was on a different path, and I wound up um, reimbursing. uh, my. Even though my mother and father and aunt and uncle made their own investments, um, I made sure that they were whole with the money I made, and some of my drive some of my drive to achieve was to get that paid back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, grit, you know, the definition of grit, Joe, is courage and resolve and strength of character. And you have to have that, you know, and you have to have that determination. That's what this podcast is all about. I think there's two parts to it. One is is our courage and resolve, our character, but also our, our faith in God. And I want those listeners out there to know that, you know, you look at where Joe was and where the low point that he went to. And if if you're at a low point, you know, God's got a plan for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's there for you. And for those of us that are kind of on that journey upward, you know, he's got a plan for us. And so we have to have that courage and resolve on our end and that faith in him. And, And he'll open doors and he'll open windows and allow us to get to that. Whatever greatness means to you. And we talked a little bit about that in episode one. We'll talk more about that. What is your definition of greatness? What are you going after? But God has a plan, no matter what that definition of greatness is for you and where you're headed. So um, our reason for doing this podcast, Joe, is to inspire and motivate. But also, as we know, sometimes that can burn off. That motivation can burn off. Um, Matter of fact, one of the examples I give all the time is we're going to clean the garage out on Saturday, Joe we're going to clean it out. You tell your wife, we're going to clean the garage on Saturday. When Saturday gets here, what do you say to each other? Uh, we don't feel, don't
1: like, feel it. like it. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm happy to say that just literally just this Saturday, um, my wife and I got out there in the garage and if she's listens to this later, she's going to come and get me because she's going to say that she did most of the cleaning of the garage, but, um, we cleaned the garage Saturday. So we had that grip to do that, but. You got to have that motivation and discipline and desire, but sometimes that that motivation burns off. We need to have action steps or strategic strategies in order to get us there. So what I'd like to do is make sure we share with our group three things that they can take from this podcast to help them on their journey to greatness. So what are three things you would like to share with our our, uh, attendees today uh, that they can use on their journey to greatness?
1: Yeah, uh, good point, and I love that. I love balancing that inspiration with uh, tactical methods and strategies and thoughts you can take away. And motivation uh, wears off. That's why I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> a lot so, lot coffee. Three, uh, three things. Um, first and foremost, I, I think a decision needs to be made. And so winding the clock back to October fifteenth, nineteen 1988, the divine voices came into my head get started, make better decisions. I made a decision to get restarted that morning. And I, I, it really started with cleaning up my house. It started with me picking up the phone and calling a friend and saying, do you know anyone who uh, needs a roommate or needs a room to rent so I could save my house? I got out of my pity party and I started doing very constructive things. And that's the magic of making a decision. When you make a decision, you're going to start over It renews your spirit. It gives you energy. And uh, if you know what you want to achieve, and what I want to achieve is I just want to dig myself out of a hole. And if you know what you want to achieve, the hows announce themselves. So if your why is strong enough, the hows announce themselves. So making a decision is critical. And the second step is developing some strategies, not falling in love with one strategy or one strategy only, maybe having several strategies, but really fanatically executing on those strategies as well so what i did is i i took my famous uh yellow pad later that day and and just made a list of things i could do with the inventory i had started inventory of skill sets and mindsets and things that were positive positive. and i made a list of things i went back in the insurance industry <laughs> and a couple months later because i was uh executing a man stepped into my life, a man by the name of Jimmy Hill, who's up, he's up in sales leadership heaven <laughs> looking over us, and he led me on a path or a journey that, that became a, a very, very significant uh, career. Uh, with a company called Affleck, a company I know you're very familiar with. So because you make a decision and because you you start um, executing strategies, it doesn't mean the strategy is gonna stay the same. You may adapt to market conditions, you may pivot, but step number one for me is decision. Step number two is having a strategy and fanatically executing it and looking to gain momentum. Momentum is always your friend in business, especially if you're in commission sales, or, or your own business where no one, no one writes you a check. And then the third thing may be less obvious to people. And so the third thing for me that I'm gonna throw out is to have a sense of humor and laugh at yourself uh, because your trajectory isn't going to be like this. It's going to have some hills and valleys along the way and you're going to be in those waves and you're going to be moving forward, moving upward, but it isn't going to be a straight line. It's There, there are some roller coasters uh, that will happen to that straight line. So for me, my strength has always been not taking myself or anything around me that seriously. There's one person up there uh, in, in three forms that I, that I take seriously. Other than that, uh, everything else down here is probably something to be laughed off. And in fact, this is, I just realized this, my coffee cup for the morning. I have like 50 of these. This one says laugh. So this is one of my favorites. It reminds me to laugh everything off. So Chuck, I'll give you and the audience those three. Make a decision, uh, develop a strategy and uh, fanatically execute it. And then don't take yourself too seriously. Have a few laughs along the way. Laugh at some of your challenges and problems. It makes them smaller.
0: I like that, you know, and that's part of our uh, title of our podcast is making your decision to be great. You know, that's the major first step is you got to make that decision and then to to have a strategy to put together a strategy that I'm sure Joe can evolve and change as you go along. Again, as things happen and as God opens doors and uh, shows you the way that strategy may may change a little bit, but you got to have one to start with. And then, like you said, I mean, it's just you know, laugh it off. It's part of the process of life. And um, God has a plan for us that may not be exactly what we thought at first, but we can laugh it off and enjoy life as we go. And it's, it's a big part of it is being joyful. And we'll have a, a podcast one day about that as being joyful. And joyful is not necessarily dependent upon circumstances. You know, like happiness is joyful is always being yeah. joyful in God's presence in our lives. So we really appreciate that, Joe. It's been a great uh, podcast. I really appreciate you joining us a great friend and mentor and coach and hopefully everyone got to see the journey that Joe's been through and many of us are in a journey right now towards greatness and we may be at a a high point or a midpoint or a low point but no matter where you are on that journey we hope to help you along that path and uh, to have that faith in God and have that grit together. So thank you everyone we appreciate you joining us in episode two and as always Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
1: Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Chuck.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Bread to Greatness. We sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get great updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We sure do appreciate it. Signing off from the Grit to Great podcast studio. We'll talk to you next time.